Hey everyone, Dory here. Can you believe it's already May? Doing my best Abby impression there, but this also means the unofficial start to summer is just a few weeks away, and I thought it was the perfect time to bring back one of our favorite episodes, which is all about the perfect summertime drink, canned cocktails. They have been booming over the last several years, even in a beer town like St. Louis. Take a listen as we sipped on some liquid courage to learn why the beer mecca of the Midwest is getting more spirited. You know that experiment with Pavlov and the dogs? It was in the 1890s. You probably heard about it in Psych 101 at some point. Basically, this Russian physiologist determined that dogs could be conditioned to start drooling in anticipation of food by the sound of a bell if they learned that sound meant they were about to get fed. Well, the same works with people. Certain stimuli, like sounds, can trigger a response within us. Let's try it. You drooling? You dog. Just kidding, just kidding. It's really very human of you, actually, because that crisp, popping sound of a drink can opening, there is nothing better. A hot day, a cold sip. Well, until recently, the satisfaction of that sound, and let's face it, a sip of something a little stronger than soda, was reserved for beer drinkers. Craving a cocktail instead? Yeah, have fun with that mess. Are you on the go? Yeah, it's going to have to be a pack of beer for you. Or worse, One of those cane sugar spiked seltzer drinks that tastes like a cocktail drinker's backwash? St. Louis is a heck of a beer town, and there are so many options to choose from. But sometimes you just want something more spirited. David Weglers, owner of Still 630 Distillery, gets it. It seemed like the market was going to head there eventually. Um, And we thought, well, it'd be a great time to get in on what we think is a no-brainer trend. So many people, we love to be outdoors. As Rafka, we still go camping, we go canoeing, float trips, you know, and that's obviously huge in Missouri too. But going to parks or picnics or tailgating, you don't want glass. Glass is, it's a problem, right? So cans are more convenient. Um, They're they're completely opaque, so you're not getting any light infusion in there. But we wanted to give people, for the exact reasons you had, we wanted to give them a delicious cocktail in the convenience of a can, right? Because you can take it around, you have it out. We've all been to people's like barbecues and cookouts in their backyard. You're like, man, I don't know if I'm in the mood for another beer right now. And I didn't want a glass of wine. I like a cocktail, but... I don't know how to make it. You have to get all the ingredients and everything. It's like, I think people get intimidated with all the work that goes, the prep work that goes into making a good cocktail. If you do it and you have a cocktail at your house and you have friends over and you're hosting a party, you're dynamite, you're a rock star, everybody yeah. loves you. But then going back home and trying to redo that yourself. Or if you just want one. You just want one, yeah, exactly. So we we decided to, to make a delicious cocktail that we had tested before. Like we did it, we made it and put it on tap at the Best of Missouri market last year and it was a smashing success. Um, and so we're like, okay, this bee's knees is what we want to do. It's a fun name, but it's a it's a made with our Volstead's Folly gin, ginger, honey, and a little bit of lemon in there. It's crisp. It's refreshing. A lot of them that I've seen have been like overly sweet, aspartame type deals um, that didn't work. And we were very, we tried very hard to not do that. We wanted to do a canned cocktail that was on the same quality level that could sit up next to our spirits. Um, and I think that we succeeded. And from what we've heard so far, people seem to really enjoy it. Yeah. So, but 
It was about the portability, the convenience of it, and having that ready-mixed cocktail because people people like that. Yeah. So do the guys at one of St. Louis's favorite breweries, Four Hands. It's where 1220 Spirits was born. Here's distiller Rob Vossmeyer and owner Kevin Lemp. direction, I was thinking um, people being intimidated by cocktail culture, right? So we've seen this resurgence in cocktails in the last 10, 15 years, and it's been fantastic to watch or be a part of uh, on the other side of the bar. But there's lots of people, and, and I absolutely understand the feeling. When you walk in to a bar uh, and it's fancy and the lights are low, you got textured wallpaper and, and the whole nine, and you read a, a cocktail menu and you can't pronounce, much less have no idea what half the ingredients are, um, that might turn you away from ordering that $12 cocktail. Um, so we're not trying to replace that by any stretch of the imagination, but we are trying to make, bring people that might otherwise just say, you know what, give me a beer say, well, maybe I'll try a lavender lavender lemonade, you know, and, and I can try it on a float trip. I can take it with me to Shakespeare in the Park or whatever. Um, and that, that was kind of, in my mind, that's our, our goal is to bridge that gap between the beer drinker and a spirits drinker. And be thoughtful about it as well. You know, have an aviation, have a lemonade and lavender, do the gin boogie, which is, you know, cherry and lime in our gin. And um, I, w- I also think that the canned cocktail builds equity in our origin gin. It introduces our year-round gin to that customer also that maybe otherwise wouldn't right. have made that $30 purchase to, to pick up the gin for that first time. But now we're introducing it in kind of a, a different and more approachable manner. It worked for us. We wanted to do an episode about canned cocktails, but the story tasted so good, we couldn't max out at 7%. So today on Abbey Eats St. Louis, we're sipping on a little liquid courage to learn more about how even in a beer mecca of the Midwest, things are getting harder. And by things, I mean our drinks. Our craft distilleries, the next craft brewery. My answer has always been global domination is the end goal, right? But some worlds are bigger than others. Exactly. Why should drinking local shelf liquor matter? If it's not perfect, it doesn't go out the back door. It doesn't hit the tap. What really gets them excited and how far is too far for some of our most daring drinkers? (laughs) No. (laughs) Thank God. I was going to say... Still 630, ain't making no moonshine. It's quality barrel-aged whiskeys, gin, rum. They win international awards. They partner with big names for custom small batches. They're a destination for a special gift or a unique tasting experience. But from the craft distillery in an old Hardee's downtown. So we kind of say we're hiding in plain sight. Yeah. Down here right by Bush It's a good way of putting it. Yeah. Um, but it used to be an old gourmet restaurant is how I always like to describe it. Um, I know the fries were French, so I assume the rest of the food yeah. was too. <laughs> um, kept a couple tables for the historical value. But we brought in our equipment <laughs> and now it's really our production facility. Yeah. yeah, it kind of looks like a place where they're making moonshine. Yeah. We make it in here. And in some ways, David, the owner and Chicago transplant, made like a moonshiner when he moved to Missouri to start his business. What brought you to St. Louis? Um, The liquor laws. They were open to having a distillery. You could have a tasting room. You could sell bottles. You could self-distribute. You have to pay for licenses, but it was possible. At the time, in most of the surrounding states, especially in the Midwest, it wasn't the case. Really? So Missouri had more business-friendly laws, which when we're looking about leaving Chicago, like, where do we want to go? 
St. Louis kind of sealed the deal because my wife is from here and like all good St. Louis girls, she came back home, brought me with her. Add a girl. That's just a little part of it, we like to say. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting though about the laws. Have they changed in any way since then that you know of or you've kind of So Missouri state laws with one beautiful exception haven't changed in regards to spirits since like 1934. So long overdue to kind of modernize that stuff, right? Um, We're not just coming out of prohibition anymore. We've done it for beer and wine. But um, the other surrounding states have become much more lenient and much more welcoming because they've seen that the craft distilling industry is booming and growing and it provides jobs and revenue and it's an agricultural value-added business, right? So it's really positive, especially here in Missouri with all our great agriculture and great barrels that come from right here. It's a no-brainer for the show we stay. But um, one thing that we just did, and I was a part of the group that did this, um, I am currently the sitting president of the Missouri Craft Distillers Guild, which I was one of the founding members last year. So it's very exciting stuff for us. All the distillers in the state join together to try and promote our industry and show people that we make awesome stuff here in Missouri. But we submitted a bill last legislative session through the Missouri uh, House and Senate that created a very unique class of spirits called Missouri Bourbon Whiskey. And it got passed through on July 16th, I believe. Governor Parsons signed it into law. So we actually submitted and made an actual law that came into place. And so now Missouri bourbon whiskey is an exclusive class and type of spirits that can only be made in Missouri by Missouri distillers. It has to be mashed, fermented, distilled, aged here using all the corn must be Missouri grown and the barrels must be made here in Missouri. So it's a really awesome, great marketing thing. Really cool little carve out. It's the only spirit in the entire world that has a barrel restriction on it like that. So it's it's pretty incredible. Yes, but that that's cool for a couple reasons. From, you know, I'm thinking about all the people who sit there and they travel to certain places in the world because yep. they have distinctions like that. Right. I mean, just... So you better add Missouri to that list. Exactly. So, you know, what was the purpose of you guys wanting to push for something like that? Well, Did you have that in mind? A lot of it was that in mind. Yeah, we wanted to... And we're trying to bring a, a little bit more of a national spotlight to all the things that are going on in Missouri. Uh, over the last few years, we distillers in Missouri have taken home the top honors at different spirits competitions. Um, we've been fortunate enough to win a couple here, and it's still 630. Uh, Gary Heingartner at Wood Hat has won some in the Berlin International and ADI as best craft whiskey in the country. We won the best craft whiskey, uh, according to the American Craft Spirits Association, in 2016, and then again in 2018. So all this stuff is happening right here, kind of hiding in plain sight, like our distillery here, right here in Missouri. And so part of the bill was to draw attention to that, as well as to give us another little more marketable, little niche product that we can make if we want to, um, as well as hopefully kind of gaining some allies, learning the legislative process so that hopefully we can make some common sense updates that, that are much needed, right? We haven't done it in 80 some years. Sure, now he's working to make sure they play in his favor. But David wasn't always following the rules, at least when it comes to how you're supposed to live life. Standard for distilling. Uh, I was an English major in college, so I drank a lot. <laughs> and then I was a whitewater rafting guy down North Carolina. Took the next logical step, moved to Chicago, became a futures trader, trading stocks, bonds, commodities, all that nonsense. Did that for like eight years and got really burnt out. I wanted to be my own boss and make something. I saw everybody else getting into craft beer, so I thought it was a great time to get into craft spirits. And uh, fast forward a few years, and here we are. I like being very 
uh, working on projects been very hands-on. And the, uh, the whiskey specifically timeline, the contrarian nature in me really responded to that. Right now in our, in our day and age, everything's instantaneous, everything's immediate gratification. Whiskey is something that just refuses to be rushed, right? It's not ready until it's ready. And each little barrel and bottle is like a little bit of a time capsule to kind of who I was as a maker back then and my skills and just it's fun to think about all the time and everything in life that has happened since then. So I, I kind of the romantic side of me appeals to that as well. But one of the one of the best things that I think has ever happened in here, it's happened on more than one occasion, is people come in and buy like groomsmen gifts or something for the bridesmaids. And the way I look at that is on the most special day of their lives, to the most important people in their lives, they wanted to give something that I made. And that, that's like incredible. That's like one of the best honors that I think we've ever had. Our name was way overthought. So I feel obligated to explain it to everybody. And you are, going, you to insist, do, you are okay. going to do so now? Um, still 630, right? Still for the piece of equipment we do still on. Capitalize the last L to emphasize STL. Sometimes those are red or blue, you know, for St. Louis. 630 has a few meanings as well. It stands for June 30th, which is the day we were founded. We have a big anniversary party every year on 630 day. It's not a national holiday yet. It's just a kick-ass yeah. party. But, <laughs> it's uh, a podcast. You can say whatever about oh, hell you yeah. want. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, so so every year on the Saturday before June 30th, uh, so it's not a Saturday, we have a big party. We release new spirits, bring in awesome local chefs, crack beer, chocolate, so best day. 630 is also the serial number of our first big pot, uh, pot still, which was custom built right here in Missouri. It's a one-of-a-kind pot still, literally serial number 630. Most importantly, though, it stands for 630 feet, which is the width and the height of the Gateway Arch. So you tie it all together, still 630. Are these things coincidental sure. or by design? The universe conspires in our favor. Yeah. Like say, yeah. Some coincidences are real. Some are a little more massage than others. Uh, there you go. They're all accurate. They're all truthful. And he's truthful when he talks about his education, too. How he learned how to do this. It comes down to a lot of hard work, putting in free time to do the heavy lifting and the kind of tasks he could pick up from other distillers, and maybe a little experimentation at home. Nothing illegal or anything. You were a whiskey drinker before mm-hmm. you were a whiskey maker. And a big beer drinker as well. Oh. Also, appreciate wine. But, uh, yeah, I... Uh like I said, I thought it was a better time to get into the industry. This is late 2000s, 2009, 2010-ish. So everybody opened oh, craft beer, microbreweries. I thought that would be awesome. Kind of looked at that for a little bit. But saw a little more opportunity, a little more excitement in the spirits industry. And uh, honestly, I mean, it sounds cliche, but I think you live once. It's up to you to make your life whatever you want it to be. I wanted mine to be incredible. And this is my little version of incredible. And hopefully the grandkids will want it one day. But... These are our humble beginnings. So we're starting. A few blocks away is Four Hands. While the business isn't ever going to just get easy, it's probably fair to say that their humble beginnings are comfortably in the rear view by now. But comfortable doesn't mean complacent. They launched a whole new brand, 1220 Spirits, in the spring of 2018. When we opened up the brewery, there are 1,400 breweries in the country. Fast forward seven years, now there's 7,000 breweries in the country. Um, you know, so we're looking at just other opportunities to build brands. Uh, while being inspired, we figured that it was a category that we just wanted to get into. There's a certain je ne sais quoi, a can-do spirit required for this job. And Kevin Lemp has it. Like, literally, a can-do 
spirit. You know, we talk about, I'm passionate about brand building. I'm passionate about putting liquid in cans, <laughs> right? That is my passion. And, you know, at our uh, all-team meeting at the beginning of the year, we said we, at this point, are no longer a brewery. We are a supplier of premium beverage. Um, and then... We'll kind of see where it goes from there. He brought Rob on for a passion project that fizzled out, but they've been buzzing together ever since. I, I was introduced to Kevin. Of course, I was familiar with Four Hands, but we had never met. Uh, and one of the suggestions was to um, do a collaborative project. And so we, we met and kind of discussed uh, a couple you know, products we could work on together. Came up with something very interesting, which ironically has never, yeah, that product never came that. to fruition, but that's okay. It's it, it's on the docket. Um, Wait, so can you tell us more about it? Sure, it was, I'll yeah. talk about it. Um, the idea was using uh, a Belgian wit that was produced by Four Hands and then distilling that as a base for uh, a category of gin called Jennifer, uh, which is a, a, a maltier cousin and actually the precursor to modern kind of London dry style gin. Um, and I think in that process, I didn't realize that Kevin was looking for somebody to head up uh, a distillery here. And uh, I think he found somebody that was inspired by the same kind of things that he was, which was which flavor creation, use of botanicals, um, and certainly that has been the driver for everything we've done so far. We do need to get that project back in the books. I don't it think is it's shocking. Far, I don't think it's that far away. And uh, it was inspiring how much yeast can influence. Has, can influence product. And I was always, I was shocked when I first realized that with beer. And then the, just the esters that came out of that, the ripple white ale, and then through the distillation process and the clovey and banana and... And to tag along on that, I mean, one of the things I have been fascinated with on the distillation side is I, I very much tip my hat to brewers and, and the brewing science, fermentation science that goes into crafting their product. Have you both kind of learned about, what have you learned more about the distillation process and what have you learned more about the brewing process? That's a really good question. You know, I feel like I have learned the scope of distillation. Oh, got to get that music turned off. Okay, where were we? It's curious also to see there are a lot of breweries getting in this space now. I mean, really, when making spirits, the first step is making beer. And then you're taking that beer, right, that wash, and you're redistilling it and aging it or, you know, adding botanicals and resting. Um, but so, you know, we're doing it here. Uh, Sun King in Indi Indianapolis, Indianapolis is doing it. Uh, 18th Street is doing it in Gary, Indiana. Um, so I feel like it's going to be interesting to see what that looks like. And it's also going to be interesting to see how breweries that are now distilling spirits are looking at spirits rather than, you know, somebody that's just 100% focused on distillation um, and just the creativity behind it. And I don't know, I think it's it's going to be interesting over the next five years to, to kind of see what the landscape looks like. And it's, that's a great segue because I have a, a different perspective. Um, and that, that's a perffect way to illustrate it. Uh, what's the difference? What you know, different perspectives do we bring from from our experience? Um, I am also curious as to to see what brewers do in the next five years. I, I 
I wonder about that perspective and if it will be helpful. I think certainly the attention to detail in the product that they make up until that point. Um, but I think finding people that are truly passionate about spirits, um, and I mean any and all categories, right, um, and really have that background to be able to um, take what has been done and build on it uh, instead of simply coming, maybe I'm oversimplifying, but simply coming from a, a space of, of brewing is important. You know, I, I, I you kind of use the analogy that uh, brewing and distilling are the same in that they're both alcohol, right? But it's 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 different, and it's like saying if you can fly a helicopter, you can fly a plane. Mm. You know, they're both aviation, but doing one doesn't mean you can do the other well or at all. And I think um, that's where we that's why it's important though, because we can both learn from each other in that craft. I mean, to, one of the mon- more mundane aspects is is the way that taxes are dealt with. You know, or the way spirits are taxed versus the way beer is taxed. It's incredibly different, uh, and one is is a lot more forgiving and one is not forgiving at all um, so even though they are both alcohol they are the industries themselves are treated very differently uh, and I think the mindsets of the people that work in them are different so it will be interesting to see you know as more brewers get into dis- distillation will it be like oh wow that's different or you know I didn't expect this um, but I think that's why it's an important partnership really as well because I think bringing somebody on uh, that has had experience specifically in distilling, and and that is my passion, um, only makes this work better. From when we first opened up seven years ago to where we are today, the customer is way different. Uh, The drinking habits are way different. The offerings are way different. You know, when we were talking to wholesalers about, hey, we're talking about doing these canned cocktails, we want it to be thoughtful and we want it to be flavorful, and they kept on asking, where's it gonna go? Right, like where's it gonna fit? Uh, there was really only one or two companies doing it, and I kept on kind of going back to Bartles and James and Seagram's coolers, and how much shelf space and how much cold box space those brands had 15 years ago, and not comparing what we're doing to that, but it's a very elevated option. Right, like package. people like flavor. Yeah. Like we're not going after that bland customer, and and an aviation that can, I think, is a is a good opportunity to to get somebody into the the craft spirit culture. You could easily have made vodka cranberries in a can or something like that you know you went for a combination that you know like the gin boogie you were talking about or I would never have thought in a million years to order lavender lemonade but those are the kind of combinations how did those specific flavors uh, not just those but how did the specific flavors you have come to be I think it's a great question. It brings brings us back to the people we work with in the bar industry, right? Um, constantly looking for new flavor flavor creations. I think I draw a lot from my experience in food. Um, in fact, the overwhelming majority of it is that, right? Flavor Bible stuff like mm-hmm. that. We're, how do these how do these uh, flavors pair well? Right. Um, I don't want to make it unattainable. I don't want people to wonder, well, what what is that ingredient? Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't think we use anything too off the beaten path. Right. Uh, but I, you know, I appreciate that you noticed. Yeah, we're not we're not doing Cosmos in the can uh, per se. So somewhere in that in the middle. Um, is where we'd like to land. And we have a meeting today at 3 o'clock. There's going to be six of us in that meeting, and the entire meeting is surrounding what new three new SKUs are we going to introduce in fall and winter. 
Like we want to be thoughtful. We want this to be seasonal. We want it to to stay relevant, right? And always have something that's a little bit new within this canned portfolio as well. How likely are we to see like pumpkin spice G and T? No. <laughs> Thank God. I was gonna say if you were planning a day drinking trip to St. Louis. Yeah, there is an obvious first stop to make. But if you want liquor before beer, you know what they say. St. Louis feels we're trying to make it home. We came here. We put the name in here, the arch, the name STL. I want to be tied into St. Louis. When people think of St. Louis, I want to think of the arch, the Cardinals, still 630 and not necessarily in that order. Indomitable Spirits is like our tagline, right? That's our never give up, never say die attitude. That's our philosophy for the brand, right? Um, I think doing anything great in life requires that attitude. Starting a business, um, whatever it is, you've got to have that never give up attitude. That's how the Blues won the cup, right? Yeah. They didn't give up when they were in last no. place. They kept fighting, right? That's awesome. Now that is the real spirit of St. Louis. At the end of the day, this is a place where whatever you wanted to be as a kid when you grew up, you can do that. Just ask Rob. Here's a funny anecdote. I, it occurred to me this year at some point, I remember when I was a kid uh, running around on, on the street I grew up on and there were these little, you know, the, the kind of juniper looking bushes in front of people's houses. You remember they had the little red sticky berries on them? Well, me and a friend of mine, we would pick those and we would make potions, right? And we, we were like six, seven years old and we would make potions. We'd mix it up with stuff, dirt and water and whatever, uh, you know, and, and that kind of imagination. And I realized that's what I do for a living now. You know, I remember having so much fun doing that. And now I really get to do that. Only instead of things that are probably toxic, <laughs> I get to use, you know, the world of spices and flavors. And I think that's, that's how, yeah, again, that's how I know I'm in the right spot. Both of those interviews were so much fun. It was so cool to go inside Still 630 space to see how the spirits are made and just how many um, experiments David does with his flavors. You can check that out for yourself now, by the way, by stopping by Still 630 on Friday evenings. They hold special cocktail releases every week. Over at 1220 Spirits, canned cocktails continue to be more and more popular, so much so they've debuted several new flavors since we first aired that episode back in 2019. Just this week, they launched a margarita cocktail, so be on the lookout for that new addition on store shelves. Ooh la la! Ooh la la! Ooh la la! Abby Eat St. Louis is a Five on Your Side production. I'm producer Dory Olmos. Be sure to check out KSDK.com and the Five on Your Side app for more food content all week long.